Jim Laskowski here, former host, co-host of the Directors Club podcast, and I'm dropping, I haven't done this in a while, but I'm dropping a very special interview bonus episode here for all of you because um, it's a very good film that I hope you'll all seek out called And Then I Go, which is available now on demand. Uh, I interviewed the director first, and then one of the stars, the great Melanie Linsky, who you will hear me praise to the high heavens um, very often uh, on this upcoming episode. But I also wanted to give you a heads up that uh, Patrick and I will be celebrating my 40th birthday. That's right. And uh, we're going to be celebrating with a special podcast recording. Uh, It'll be a bonus episode here as well that you can access. You can hear the old hosts uh, shoot the shit about film once again. Uh, we're going to be reviewing a couple of films together. One that I assigned for Patrick, one that Patrick assigned for me. And then we're going to be playing this really interesting game called Score Bits, which is inspired by the guys over at filmjunk.com. And if you're not familiar with this, it is really just uh, a fun little version of a game show where you sort of guess that tune uh, based, uh, or guess that film, I should say, based on a score excerpt from the film proper. So get excited, folks. It's uh, This episode that you're about to hear is really, really, really special to me. Um, you know, to get to interview one of your top five favorite actresses is, is, is quite wonderful. I could have talked to her for at least an hour, but it's only 15 minutes, as is the uh, interview with uh, the director, Vincent Grishaw. So please check out their film, um, their latest collaboration, which also co-stars Justin Long and a couple of really great um, young performances. And I really do think you will like And Then I Go. And then, of course, stay tuned for an upcoming new special bonus episode featuring Patrick and myself celebrating my birthday, which is in a week. I can't believe it. Okay, everybody. And thanks to, of course, Brad and Al for all of their wonderful hard work here over at directorsclubpodcast.com. And as always, if you want to check out what I'm up to at voicesvisions.net, please do that or visit nowplayingnetwork.net for this show and many other great pop culture podcasts. Thanks, everyone, and enjoy. and welcome to Voices and Visions. I am Jim Laskowski, your host today. And well, what can I say? I know that the uh, hiatus was long and then uh, I was able to, to bounce back with, uh, with another great interview with Brad Silberling. Uh, and then uh, an interview came my way that I could not pass up based on a screening I saw of uh, another really unsettling, very timely, uh, rather unnerving film called And Then I Go, which is uh, directed by Vincent Grishaw, uh, written by Brett Haley. And I saw it 
knowing what the initial plot was and found myself really uh, enveloped and invested in it. It's really one of those in, incredibly poignant and profound portrayals of adolescent angst, uh, but bullying in particular during your junior high years. And there's a sense of dread and anxiety throughout this film that uh, I probably haven't felt since Gus Van Sant's Elephant. Uh, I still need to rewatch when we uh, we need to talk about Kevin because I know a lot of people love it and I still had issues. And I, I, th I think it's one of those things where, again, I love the way it was directed and I, I love a lot of the visual flourishes, the aesthetics, but something about it did not affect me um, as strongly as a film like And Then I Go, which tells its story very simply, uh, but the psychology is complex, and that's what I responded to the most. Um, you know, outcasted teens, yes, we've seen this many times. We've seen uh, these scenarios before, including in the news fairly recently, and it's very upsetting to uh, witness what has gone on in our culture and in this country, when it comes to gun violence and lashing out uh, and in search of catharsis and trying to externalize what's internal. And I think this film mainly focuses on the internal. So it's not always flashy, but it definitely takes you inside the mind of ostracized middle schoolers uh, who then eventually plan a school shooting together and it's it's very intense it's based on a novel by jim shepherd i think it was called project x uh and there's 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 you know there, it's a challenging film but once again what really what this film brings to the table is an incredible cast and of course i'm a fan of the movie but i i gotta say the the, the dynamic between mother and son here uh and father i should say uh, are all great uh, the performances all around are well worth seeing and experiencing. So once I got once I got to see the film, and of course uh, had the opportunity to talk with the director, I was very happy to put that out as an episode alone. And then, of course, uh, something unexpected but wonderful happened. Uh, one of my uh, dream interviews, I guess you could say, even though it was rather short. Because, I mean, this is a, an actress that's in high demand, but her name is Melanie Linsky. And I, 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 I think I rented Heavenly Creatures from the uh, video store I frequented in Northwest Indiana. And, you know, I think I remember getting it because, oh, it was directed by the guy who did Dead Alive. And then I found myself way more uh, enthralled with the film based on these actresses and their characters and of course Peter Jackson's impeccable storytelling uh it, it's just one of my favorite films um and since then I would say that Melanie Linsky despite like maybe a, a little bit of a lapse at one point has been one of the more consistent character actresses out there and she's not one of those people that's like oh clearly she's acting and I think that's what makes her natural. I think that's what she brought to the table very early on with Heavenly Creatures. So 
to be able to talk with her, to talk one easily in my top five favorite actresses, um, I, I, I was I was kind of uh, my, my jaw was on the floor. I, I was really really like um, not nervous. I was more like overly enthusiastic to where she's probably like, oh my god, this guy's this guy's a little a little much, but. <laughs> But I, I have to say that it, 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 I feel that way for a reason. There's um, a, so much joy and passion and emotional truth to all the roles she brings, particularly in like a film like The Informant. Uh, she did a, a, several lead performances as well, including uh, a little scene indie film called Hello, I Must Be Going. Again, she makes that movie. So I mean, there's there's a lot that she's done. She was in a great television show called Togetherness that was um, conceived by the Duplass brothers, and she's worked with guys like Joe Swanberg and Steven Soderbergh and many Bergs. Um, so it, there's there's reason to be excited about today's episode. Of course, first up, I do talk to the director about their film and then i go which i am encouraging you imploring you and hoping you will seek out it's on demand right now um it's it's heavy but it's well worth seeing and it'll give you a lot to talk about and think about and process afterwards and of course the film has a remarkable couple of young performances and also you have the great melanie linsky and the reliable Justin Long, as well as uh, in, in the cast here. So first we're going to speak with the director, and then we're going to, oh boy, we're going to end the show with a bang! <laughs> because, yeah, like I said, as you know, Melanie Linsky, one of my favorites. Um, and, you know, it, it'd be one of those interviews that I wish would go on for an hour, <laughs> but at the same time, as much as she works and has a lot going on in life in general, um, I was able to at least get 15 minutes to elaborate on the experience of working on and then I go as well as touching briefly on a couple of films that I I, I personally adore her in including one called Shattered Glass which if you haven't seen I can't recommend it enough it's again it's one of those simple stories told simply but it's just so compelling and has a great ensemble I mean it's just one of those rewatchable movies for for some unknown reason to me i've seen it many times uh it would be like a remote dropper if i was just coming across it on cable or something but i i adore that movie and i think she's really good in it the whole cast is really good particularly peter sarsgaard um so i don't know i I think i think it is like one of those dream casts that if i were to make an indie film uh that's the kind of material that's the kind of writing that's the kind of acting that's the kind of film you know i would be excited to make Something like You Can Count on Me is another example. But Shattered Glass is remarkable. So please see that. Please see as many Melanie Linsky movies as you possibly can. She was in um, Up in the Air, Away We Go. So, I mean, the list goes on and on, folks. You'll recognize the face if you look her up. And I encourage you to do so. But for now, let's uh, hear a quick interview with the film's director, Um He's responsible for And Then I Go. His name is Vincent Grishaw, and I hope you enjoy the conversation that we had, of course. And then stay tuned, because right after that is the one, the only, Melanie Linsky. Please visit NowPlayingNetwork.net, everyone. It's an honor to be a part of that wonderful podcast family. 
complex portrayal of just psychology at that at that age and you know clearly there's a, there's a lot of talk about this subject matter um you know we're on the anniversary actually we're talking on the anniversary of columbine um so clearly this this particular um topic must have motivated you but what what kind of initially inspired you to tell this particular story with um your film well i think you're i mean you're pretty much on the money i mean obviously today you know we came out a couple days ago and today, I mean, the, the anniversary of Columbine wasn't something that we intended. Parkland hasn't happened when we shot this. Um, but when I, it, it obviously, the, the material, I mean, you know, I felt that school shooting movies have kind of been tackled in a way already. So I didn't really know what perspective this was going to take when they told me it revolved around a, a shooting. And so, but when I read the book, it was, it was clearly being thrown into the perspective of these two kids into their mindset. And I saw how it kind of peeled away at all the surface sort of solutions to this issue. And it had, it, you know, there is obviously no one answer to this, but it had like, it, it got into the, the, uh, the real raw and emotions of kids at that age. And I thought yeah. it, it portrayed it in a way that was entirely more relatable to all kids opposed to just kind of saying, Oh, this was a mentally ill kid that shot up the school or, you know, uh, and how that is possible, you know, obviously when they make that decision, they're in a very, very far place, you know, along that dark path already. I mean, they're essentially going there to commit suicide if you really think about it. So it's just the way it dissected all that just it hit me. It's really just slap in the face. And I thought it was very, very important and a new perspective, you know? Yeah, no, totally. That's, and that, that's and that, the at the same time, not, not, yeah, and in that type and that balance of not glamorizing or glorifying, and you know, I was a bit nervous of putting people in the headspace of kids that wanted to do this to begin with. Like, you know, they're real victims here and real, real trauma. And so it was sort of a. I was a little nervous, to be honest. You know, the thing, I, the thing I remember about like a film like We Need to Talk About Kevin is that it kind of immediately portrayed uh the the you know the child as this demon <laughs> you know and i think you did, a, you did a fantastic job of humanizing uh these two emotionally conflicted teenagers sort of dealing with that very tumultuous time and clearly it it, it helped to find the right actors which you did here obviously with the parents but what was the casting process like finding these two remarkable young talents? Well, so to your point about, uh, we need to talk about Kevin. It's like, it's not that, that I think that that film is wrong. I think, I mean, that essentially tackled a, a, a thought of, of, uh, their, the parents perspective and dealing with a kid who was, you know, born pretty much a monster in a way. Like, mm -hmm. you know, there was nothing, you know, that, really they could do this. I mean, it was almost genetic and, or something in the DNA that, that this kid was just guided down that path. But, um, yeah, yeah. you know, That's a good it, point. The, sure. the two kids, the two kids and, and, and then I go, it's like we, we, did, we have to them just the normal way. But I mean, obviously the movie doesn't die by those two. And that was something that we were very cognizant of, you know, especially when you're not 
we didn't want to go you know older to fight younger so we're dealing with like kids who are the right age of 14 and it was like you know finding that was key and you know we went you know the process passing sessions in new york and la and then people are sending self-tapes uh by canada the rest of the country there's a lot of great kids but uh you know the second on the darbo who read for edwin it kind of was jarring because i was like wait a minute this kid is he's too good looking or like you know he looks like this little mini dicaprio but it, it in looking at that because in the book it was like they were a little bit odd looking and, and you know and it had that a little bit but one of the things I thought was great about his book is it stripped away everything other than that. It like, you know, guns or bullying being the only reason it, 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 none of that is the only reason. But so I thought it was like casting a kid who didn't look like what you'd expect was also interesting because it, it, it didn't, didn't say, Oh, my kid's weird looking or my kid's not weird looking or dirty. So it's okay. Because it didn't even, you know, all kids, all all kids deal with the emotions of anxiety, and depression, and, and it doesn't matter what you look like. But um, anyway, he came in and just kind of tapped into these emotions that uh, I, it just was. It wasn't like a kid who was method or who was classically trained. He just had these raw emotions. I think because he inhibited. A lot of Edwin, I think, like in, in reality, he's very quiet and shy. And, you know, he speaks four languages, but very bright. You know, he speaks four languages and just traveled the world, um, wow. but not hasn't acted much. So it was just, but there was something raw there that you could just tap into. <laughs> so that was something that was unique. And then Sawyer, on the other hand, is a completely different personality. Mm-hmm. You know, he could, he he, he was more method and. He very, very articulate and, you know, I feel like I was sometimes talking to a 30 year old <laughs> and just in his process and, you know, I directed him totally differently, you know? Yeah. The young cast here kind of, kind of remind me a little bit of, uh, like the performances in, in River's Edge. It's, they're very raw, but they're very real and kind of relatable like you mentioned early on i i i found myself you know kind of going back in time to my awkward high school experience and remembering that isolation you know i I felt really connected to these characters too but i was also really taken with your 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 visual palette going going on here and how did you develop the look and feel with the uh, cinematographer to sort of capture um, well, Pat Scola and I, you know, we talked a lot about like what was what was the device that we were going to use to kind of put us in that headspace. Sure. And um, you know, there was a lot of little things that we thought would help, and it, one of them being like the camera never leaves Edwin's. Like anytime there's coverage on Edwin, uh, Edwin, there it would be really up with him up close, hold longer than usual in the editing, but also just right there. And then anytime it was on the parents or other people, mm-hmm. the camera was never, there was never coverage between them two. Like the parents, you would never see like the camera by Justin or Long or Melanie Linsky. It would be like from Edwin's direction and never yeah. very tight on them. So it would, we felt that would really help in putting you into set space. Um, you know, and then just the look being, it was very somber. And I mean, Pat and I really just, that's the kind of look we felt would really put you in that mood. Even though the film, you know, had that 
like levity and humor that we wanted to make sure came through because the book had that, you know, and we didn't want just a slog towards, you know, the end of the film, you know, we felt like it needed to have humor. I mean, that was like critical. Like Jim, the novelist, talks a lot about that and how important it was. Because that's what it is. Like, you know, those chaotic, chaotic, like dinner table moments with your parents and your little brother. You know, it's like funny and silly. I I think just films about coming of age, especially at that very vulnerable and impressionable time, automatically just empathy like to the maximum degree because you don't want them to experience the same pain that you might have experienced back then but it's kind of inevitable and I think you portray that really beautifully in this film so in the end what do you hope that people are going to get out of this experience I mean it, it must be interesting to put the film out at this time like we talked about the top but um, you know, I certainly found a lot to think about and ponder. What, what what would you like people to take away from from the story that you decide to tell here? I think in the the main thing is like you have two people that are you know they're human beings. They're not they're not monsters. They're not villains from a, a movie here. You know these are real people doing these things. And here we are today, 19 years after Columbine, and it's still this. It's so frequent. It's, it's, I can't believe, I mean, we don't even know. I mean, in an interview, they were asking like, Oh, did you, one of our actors was asked about one of the shooters and it was like, well, which shooter? And so just to even have that in your mindset, it's like, it's just so it's, it's tragedy, but it just keeps happening. But, you know, I would say the important thing to learn something is to, I think do, I mean, our purpose was the film was obviously to, add to the discussion like you know when you peel those layers back and you know it's like asking a drug addict oh to be clean you know you're going to just put them in jail and 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 they're not going to do drugs and that's going to hold but you don't get to the bottom of why they started using drugs ever so to get to the bottom of how kids can i think do this um it's about dissecting them a bit more as people and uh you know trying to go back to when when they possibly will lost their way and how, you know, because it's, you know, it, it happens earlier than when the event incident happens, you know, what kind of leads them there. And so we just hope that some, some way this movie kind of lends a, a insight to that. Well, I certainly think it does. You know, I mean, what, what you just talked about too is just this idea of putting like a bandaid uh, on the issue without getting to the root cause or just looking deeper. And I think, the best way to deal with trauma or psychological turmoil often is through art, which I think you've accomplished very well here with this film. And I, I, I will hope and pray that most that people get to see it and have uh, the kind of experience I had with it. Yeah. It's something that obviously we didn't take lightly when we made it. And now that's even more relevant than when we started. It's like, that's all we can hope for is that, that it's <laughs> that something's done. I mean, you know, just to even hear and see all these marches, though. Uh, yeah. You know, I have a lot of faith in our youth and our youth. Um, you know, Same and here. it's not a political. The movie, you know, we didn't want to take a political political stance at all. You know, it was really just about being smarter and everybody doing their part. You know, because I'm not a, I'm not a parent, so I can't speak to 
like what you need to do as a parent. But I do know that, you know, these kids' reality is their reality. And to validate their their emotions is something that we should think about, you know. And, and instead of saying, oh, you're going to be okay in five years. Don't worry about this. Kids will get over it. Like, they'll work through it, you know, and kind of just, you know, be there. Because in the movie, you know, they don't, I don't know if you noticed, they never really said, I love you in it. And that's not to say that they didn't, but it's just something I thought about afterwards that that, that is interesting, you know? Well, thanks, Vincent. I really appreciate your time, and I'm a huge, huge supporter of this film, and I'm going to do whatever I can to make sure people see it. So, And I look forward to whatever you do next. Thanks for your time. Hey, thanks so much. Thanks for your support. Okay, take care. Seriously, folks, this is one of my all-time favorite actresses. She is on the line currently, excited to talk about her latest film, and then I go, the one, the only Melanie Linsky. Hi, how are you? Overjoyed. Um, ecstatic. I, I, oh. I, I, <laughs> oh, good. You are unequivocally my one of my all-time favorite actresses. I've been a fan of yours going all the way back to Heavenly Creatures. This is like um, a dream to talk to Oh my goodness. Uh, Like there's Michelle Williams, there's Isabelle Huppert, there's Melanie Linsky. I'm serious. Oh, I don't, that's not, I can't handle that. (laughs) That's too, that's crazy. Well, yeah, I'm a bit of a crazy fan. (laughs) Hopefully not in the scary way, but I've seen the majority of your work uh, past, present, future, Aww. probably. I I love a lot of your independent spirit in, in terms of a lot of the f- choices you've made, like They Came Together, Perks of Being a Wallflower, Hello, I Must Be Going, Up in the Air. But really, uh, me and another local Chicago film critic have championed this film, um, Shattered Glass. How f- yeah, I. it's so funny. I was just um, on an email chain with Billy Ray, the writer and director, and Peter Sarsgaard and Mandy Walker of DP and some other people. Um, Cause Billy just had a screening of it and he was like, it holds up. I'm so proud of our movie. Everyone involved should be proud of that movie for sure. It's so good. And it's one of the best movies about deception, self-deception and lying. And speaking of which, Steven Soderbergh's The Informant is one of my favorite Soderbergh movies. I just, I really love that movie. You and Matt Damon are phenomenal together in that war. The informant is like my favorite. You worked with so many great filmmakers, but like Steven Soderbergh must have been a real treat. It's such a treat that it almost ruins you (laughs) for any other experience. You you felt spoiled, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I, I felt so spoiled and I was, you know, I just did this TV show with Andre Holland who was on the Nick, obviously, and we were talking about it. I just was like, God, I can't believe you got to do a whole TV show <laughs> directed by him. <laughs> I was so jealous. Well, you've had an yeah. amazing you've had an amazing career that I know you're proud of and very well should be. And some of your more recent choices have been very interesting. Like I don't feel at 
I don't feel at home anymore. Or no way, I don't belong in in the world anymore. Uh, uh, sorry. <laughs> exactly. Yes, it's a very long title. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. is, but it's it's excellent. Um, <laughs> uh, so your latest, and then I go, is, is a pretty profound study of child psychology. I should say adolescent psychology as well. But I was really taken with the film, and afterwards tried to put myself in in your position or any actor, and, and just couldn't imagine what is it like to prepare for a role that is this emotionally challenging, in which you play a very compassionate but unaware uh, mother. I'm I'm not much for preparation, <laughs> honestly. If I read something and it resonates internally then I know I'm going to have what I need and then it's just a matter of reacting and being present and you know having an understanding of the story and your place in the story and stuff like that and I think I I just got so lucky on this movie because I just felt it instantly when I read it I thought I have to do this I don't really know why and then I thought oh my god all my scenes are going to be with a 15-year-old child, <laughs> this is a nightmare. What have I seen? You know, because it's really hit or miss. You know, sometimes kids can be amazing and sometimes, you know, it's a lot of work and you sort of become like an, an acting coach a little bit to try to get get them to be sort of natural and comfortable. And I, he just, Aman, who plays my son in this movie, it was crazy to me what this kid was doing just effortless i he's incredible so i got very 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 lucky yeah i mean you're talking about the acting here and i mean obviously when people see this i'm sure they'll 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 recognize you they'll recognize justin long and you know i i I think i mean obviously you give another great standout performance here but also just there's just something about seeing remarkable young actors like like you mentioned, almost effortless here. I mean, what was it like? Yeah. You know, working with him. You know, because you you, sp- you do spend a large portion of screen time mainly interacting with with your son in the film. Yeah, it was almost all with Aman. I think I had a little bit with Sawyer, who plays Slake, um, who's also incredible. Like I sort of. I told my fiance while we were filming, I said one of them is like this little Edward Norton and the other one is like a little River Phoenix. Like, it's crazy. (laughs) Because, you know, Sawyer is so sort of focused and concentrated and technique-based and a little bit of a perfectionist and Arman is just like this wave of emotion and weirdness and he just can kind of channel it and into something that's so deep i i mean there have been a few times when i've been working with people where i just had to be like just try to be present don't watch what they're doing <laughs> one of them was uh katrin cartledge who's my all-time favorite actress who i got to work with once i felt that way with amy ryan uh, it's like and i felt that with arman like i just had to just sort of be like okay <laughs> Just do the scene. He just, he could, and he also was so goofy and silly, and he'd go into this emotion that was really real because he was shaking afterwards, but he'd come out of it so quickly. It was it's crazy. It, it seemed very, like, instinctive, like like you mentioned River Phoenix, unnatural, you know, just... Yeah. 
it, it, yeah. like reacting in the best ways that feel genuine and real as opposed to like, oh, clearly he, he's acting, you know, it just felt like he was responding emotionally well throughout every scene. Yeah. Yeah, he's just present and and there and feeling it. It's just, I mean, <laughs> I guess that's all anyone's doing, but I, it was really overwhelming. He's also just so beautiful. Justin Long and I were like, how is this our child? That's the one part of the movie that I didn't quite buy, that we have this like supermodel child, and it's like, really, me and Justin Long are I gotta say, though, I mean... It, it's a tough movie to come out like there's a lot of there's a lot of revenge movies there's a lot of movies about bullying lately I mean it, it, I, I would say that like this is one of the better ones for sure but it just feels like it's touching it's touching on, on subjects and, 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 and psychology in a way that feels really um, relevant more than ever what what does it feel like to put out a movie at this time as has it? I mean, how do you feel in general when knowing that this movie is out there? I mean, I don't tend to sort of intellectualize my choices or think of them in a social or political context, really. If something feels irresponsible, then I, I won't do something for that reason. But I, you know, I just sort of have this emotional response. But it's really incredible now to see how much this is being talked about and so much of that has to do with the Parkland kids who are just so astonishing and their bravery and it's it's really, really amazing to me. But you know, I think I thought about it at the time and I think all aspects of this need to be talked about. You need to talk about child psychology, bullying, you know, gun access to guns. But it's just, I, I, we didn't know when we were making it that it would be such a big conversation. And I'm just so grateful that it is. I feel like I've just been waiting for years for things to start to change. And I began to think, like, maybe they never will. Yeah, I know. And that's the scary thought that I have being a teacher and, and, and sort of talking to my students about these types of issues, especially when, you know, we have now training for active shooters yeah i mean how do you talk to them about it what what do you say it's really difficult because you know they're they're vulnerable and they're they're impressionable so you just have to most of the time i'm I'm trying not to preach you know i just i want to i want to listen to what's on their mind i want to listen to what they're going through and sometimes they have off days just like everybody else, you know, and they need to talk about why they're having these off days. And sometimes it's just like it's something in the air. Sometimes it's the weather. I mean, any number of things can affect somebody's mood. Mm-hmm. And I, I really do struggle with, like, confronting the dark side of, well, when there is a shooter with, or a shooting of some kind and, you know, how are they feeling about it? It's really just all about listening to their emotions as opposed to like saying well this is how you should deal with it you know Mm -hmm. oh yeah that's so smart that's really sensitive to know that well you seem to be a very empathic compassionate sensitive actress and i i sense that Mm -hmm. really early on and I, i i get an impression like yeah this is the type of film 
that you're, you, you, it spoke to you. And, and I think a lot of people are going to get a lot out of this experience. I know I did, for sure. So I'm very, very excited for it. Um, what, what do you want people to get out of the experience of watching this film? I mean, you mentioned the conversation to be had. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think conversation is good. I mean, my fear, I guess, is, but you know, you're always fearful because so many kids, unfortunately, have been put in the situation now. And so I, I'm fearful of people seeing it and being triggered but I but I do think the movie first of all it's, there's nothing explicit that happens and it, it's very it deals very sensitively with all aspects of it you know and I I just think it's really great to have a movie that's such a nuanced take on it I just I think it really falls in this kind of gray area that's very interesting yeah, I, and I, those are the movies I respond to when they sort of capture the independent spirit, but they're a little ambiguous, and like you mentioned, they they live in this gray area where there are no easy answers. And yeah. It, it just gives you a lot to think about afterwards. I'm sure you had that experience, um, you know, both while filming and afterwards, too. But um, I know our time... Oh, definitely. So I know our time is limited, but uh, I, I just... Again, I can't reiterate enough how much I've enjoyed your work over the years. And, um, of course, anytime I see an amazing performance, I'm tweeting at you. And you always like my tweets. <laughs> so that's, that's really sweet. You're so sweet. You're always so nice. Oh, thanks. Well, I really appreciate it. No, I saw your name on the list, and I was like, he's my Twitter friend. I want to talk to him. Aw, that's so nice of you to know. Um <laughs> But yeah, no, I, I, I'm, excited. Oh, of course. I'm excited for you and, of course, for, for, for future performances from, uh, from your now fiancé, of course, because I'm, I'm also a fan of Jason's. Oh, thank you. Because uh, you guys started a lot of great indie movies together. W wasn't there one recently that you did with uh, Clea Duvall? Like, I think she wrote and directed it. That was good. Yes, The Intervention. That was a very fun one. She's my best friend, so I didn't I didn't have a choice. I had to do it, and luckily it was good. Oh, that's so great to hear. And and there's so many other great films that you always make an impression in, and if I see your name on the cast list, I'm immediately looking forward to it. So I, I can't thank you enough for talking with me today, and uh, hopefully we can do it again. I, I know this latest film will be a great success for you and everyone. Thank you. Thank you for your talent and the many great performances. <laughs> that is so kind of you. Thank you so much. Okay. I've been absolutely terrible in a few movies, but maybe you've missed them. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. So thank you so much. All right. Well, we'll be in touch on Twitter, of course. <laughs> Thanks, Melanie. Okay. Yes, definitely. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. long-form interview with the great Melanie Linsky. Yes, you can check out her talk with the great Mark Marin over on WTF Radio. Uh, please visit nowplaynetwork.net for this show and many more other great pop culture podcasts. Everything is beautiful.